You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 85. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Hey, hey, folks, we're going to hop in in just a second. I did just want to take a minute and remind you, if you are in the Baltimore area or within driving distance of the Baltimore area, or will be somewhere near the Baltimore area for New Year's, we are, for our fifth year, hosting a kinky, sex-positive New Year's Eve party. It's going to be in Baltimore at the Baltimore Playhouse, which is the biggest dungeon space on the East Coast. As I said, it's our fifth year there. It is always an amazing time. And we're going to have all kinds of things going on for you. Everything from a plethora of dungeon furniture, which the Playhouse does have, to demos, to kinky New Year's Eve festivities, to a costume contest. And by the way, our theme this year is New Orleans. So if that sounds like something that you might be interested in, check that out. You can find the details, get some tickets, go to atouchofflavor.com forward slash N-Y-E. That's atouchofflavor.com forward slash N-Y-E for New Year's Eve. And we'll see you there. All right. So let's talk about the topic for today. And you've probably gotten a hint as to what it is, either from the title or from the question that we asked at the beginning. But the topic that we're covering today is... <laughs> What's worse in a relationship? Screaming and yelling at your partner or silence? That's the title that won out. My initial thought on a title for this when it was first under discussion, which I think is equally descriptive, if not as punchy, is do relationships end with a bang? or with a whimper? And the answer is both. And we're going to talk a lot more about that as we go. When we started doing podcasts and lives and all of these things, I had this, this worry initially. You get this feeling, you're like, what happens when I run out of ideas for content? And I think that's a pretty normal feeling when you're doing this kind of thing where you're having to put something out every week. I'm not worried anymore because what I think we've realized as we've gone is that we wind up getting our ideas for podcasts and for lives, mainly from things that we run into as we go through our week. And this topic is no different. This is a a big issue that we've seen a lot on our breakthrough calls with polyamorous folks lately. And it's really, really dangerous, really, really dangerous for your relationships 
when you don't understand this. So let's dive in. Let's see what's going on there. What's the myth? What's the reality and what it is that you need to do? Yeah. So what does a bad relationship look like? We uh, asked you in the beginning, but a lot of times when we think of bad relationships, a couple of the things that we think of are the things that are most outspoken, right? Um, they're the things that are most uh, in our face. And so these are things like, well, a bad relationship is a couple fighting and arguing. Uh, it's the slamming the doors, the clanging the dishes, the uh, angry text messages. Dozens of angry text messages. <laughs> yeah, the, the many angry text messages. It's the the loud, right? The, the loud in your face, this is bad. I had somebody describe it to me the other night as messy. And that's what we think. We think that when a relationship is bad, it's loud and it's messy. That's how we know a relationship is bad. And it's really feeded to by like the media, right? This is what we see when we're watching our TV show. We're fed this idea that bad relationships look a certain way. We've all watched Friends. We've all watched, no. uh, except for you. Uh, we've all watched uh, your typical family sitcoms and breakups and bad relationships look like these things. And it's not just in the media. When you're talking to your monogamous friends or even your polyamorous friends, this is what we think of as a bad relationship. They're loud, they're messy, they're screaming, there's crying, there's tears, there's breakdowns. And the thing is, these are things that we all recognize as warning signs. When we see these in a relationship, we're like, hey, this is a warning sign. This is a warning sign that something is bad. And they are. They are absolutely big warning signs that something is bad if these things are continually popping up in your relationships. But the problem is, is that these are not all of them, right? So we'll get to that and we'll talk about that. I do want you to understand that, as I said, if you're seeing these things pop up, they are warning signs. And if they keep coming up, you definitely need help. So you can pause this at this point, reach out to us for some help. We're going to tell you how to do that at the end. And we'll give you a link. And we'll give you a link. Reach out to us. But the problem comes in when we think that a troubled relationship always looks this way. And that is absolutely a myth. It is not true that in order for a relationship to be in trouble, that there has to be loud, noisy, messy fights and arguments going on. It's a myth. It's one of these all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares situations. All relationships where those noisy things keep popping up definitely need help. But not all relationships that need help are noisy. Yeah, and just because a relationship is quiet, right? Not that noisy stuff we were talking about before, but is quiet doesn't mean that it's healthy. A relationship that has uh, 
zero conflict, and I'll do air quotes a little bit here, but a relationship where you don't see those things, can that be a relationship that might end tomorrow? Is it? And we're going to talk in a few minutes about like how that happens, but I want you to question that, right? Like, is that something that you can see happen, right? Where it's not that explosive stuff. It's, it's, there's just not any of that conflict that we're used to seeing, right? What does that mean for a relationship? Does it mean that it's a good relationship? Does it mean everything's okay? So and the answer is no. Just because mm-hmm. a relationship is quiet doesn't mean that it's healthy. And in some ways, relationships where the problems are quiet are worse and they're more dangerous. We're going to talk about that. And uh, to start with, I want to I want to tell you a story about somebody that I talked to a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to use his name, but uh, this 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 guy, he was part of a couple. They'd been together for 5 years. They lived together. And I was talking to him and I was talking about what was going on in his relationships. And one of the things that struck me was on the surface, things seemed to be going pretty well. A lot of people we talk to have that loud, noisy stuff going on. But with this guy, that wasn't there. He actually told me that they didn't have a lot of disagreements. Last fight had been two months before they talked to us. And he said that the last big fight that they'd had before that was over a year ago, which, let's be honest, is pretty damn good. You can't say that about most relationships. But there was some unresolved stuff in their relationship that seemed, hadn't caused a lot of conflict. Agreements that hadn't been made, discussions that hadn't been had. And what had sparked him to get on with us was things had seemed like they were going okay, things had seemed like they were going okay, But there was this tipping point for him where his partner left to spend a weekend with somebody else without telling him. And at that point, he realized he needed some help. He still didn't think it was that bad. But he realized that they needed some help. They needed to start making some changes. They needed to start making some progress. And he decided that he was going to start working with us so that we could help him fix what was going on in his relationships. And we actually got ready to go. We were going to reconnect a little later and and finish everything up and get him in to start working with us. And I reached back out to him and he's like, she just called me and we're done. She, she said this wasn't working for her. She's unfulfilled. She needs to explore other things. And she left. And so this, this is something where a couple, as I said, that had only had two fights in over a year where things seem to be mostly going well, just like that, it was over. And, you know, this is the stuff that keeps us up at night. When we see people that could be helped, that have problems that are solvable, who for one reason or another don't actually make it to getting help. And this is really what I just described as far as how things seemed they were going okay. This is what is so dangerous about this. Yeah, because when we're having loud fights, right? When we're having screaming matches messy. or I got the messy, messy in my yeah. head now. Yeah, messy is a good word. When we're having that messy stuff, we see it ourselves, right? We we can identify that pretty pretty quickly. Um heck, chances are people outside of your relationship are noticing that. Maybe your kids, maybe your coworkers. 
Um, Maybe your friends. Maybe your parents. People pick up on that stuff. Even if it isn't all of it, they pick up on it. And these things get brought up. And if it's continuing and it's getting bad, the folks that you know will say something. You will say something. It's a little bit more of this, like, we know we're headed towards a breakup, right? It's it's more noticeable that we're headed down that, that path. And because we see it, right, because we see this building and, and getting worse, we, in that case, actually have more of an opportunity to go, whoa, things are getting worse. We should get some help. We should uh, go talk to somebody. We should work on these things because we see it coming, right? It's almost like having a a train heading for you that's screeching and is super loud. You can see it coming for miles. Um, versus a ninja train. Versus, I was going to say something like ninja train cancer, where you don't see it. See, I was going to go real, 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 real dark there. But something where like you don't see it, you don't know it's happening. It's not something that you're you're hearing coming at you, but is still just as unhealthy for you, maybe more. Yeah, that's what's so dangerous about this. When we're fighting, when things are loud, when things are messy, I'm going to be stuck on that word now. We know we need help. The problem is when things are quiet, when we have problems that are not in our face, they're not causing loud fights and screams and crying and all the things we talked about earlier, that isn't the case most of the time. The thing is, the people in these relationships, the people who are in relationships where there are unspoken things that are are big, big issues. It's not that they don't know anything's wrong. They know things are a little wrong. They know there's stuff that hasn't been resolved. They know it's stuff that needs to be resolved at some point. But it's just a little bad. It's just a little bad. (laughs) And that's what's so insidious about this, as opposed to the loud, noisy fights, is... Because things just seem a little bad, usually one person or both people doesn't recognize the severity and they're blindsided by the breakup that happens. Gentleman I was talking to earlier, absolutely blindsided by that, was not how he thought his weekend was ending. And it's the same thing that we see in a lot of these similar situations. Either one partner or both partners even sometimes, think things are a little bad, but okay. And they think that right up unto the point where somebody has walked. And because of that, you don't have the chance to realize that you need help in a lot of these cases. So we're going to talk about how to prevent that happening But first, I want to talk about how this happens. How do people wind up in the situation where they think things are mostly fine, and then next thing you know, things are over? Like so many things that go wrong in our relationships and in our lives, if we're being honest, this tends to come out of the best of intentions. We have a partner. We have something that isn't working. A lot of times it's agreements that we don't have nailed down or, you know, I have, I have a need that's not being met or something like that. And we try and have these conversations. 
and they do not go well. We can't come to a resolution. Probably they do get loud and messy when we bring them up. And we go, well, you know, the pain that this is causing, the pain of me not getting this need met, the pain of this agreement not being hammered down, it, it isn't worth the pain. It's not bigger than the pain of actually trying to hammer this conversation out. So what winds up happening is people just ignore these things and let them build. And what I've seen a lot of, especially lately, is that you have people who will actually convince themselves that this is good poly. That we don't have any agreements because in order for me to really love my partner, I can't control them in any way. I have to let them be free. So really us not having any agreements, us not having these conversations is me being a good polyamorous partner. I don't know how deep that belief runs as far as if that's more of a, I know this isn't good, so I'm going to tell myself that or it's probably different for different people. I was going to say, it's. I think for some, it's it's more of a shield, right? I'm doing the right thing. And for others, it is something that they've worked at convincing themselves to the point of convinced, actually being convinced. But regardless of where you're at with that, whether it's something that you're doing as a shield or not, it doesn't really matter. Because when we're telling ourselves this stuff and we're not actually working on those things, we end up in situations where we have unsolved problems. We haven't made agreements. We have needs that haven't been met. What ends up happening there is it builds, as you were saying. Yeah, this is typically where we see this winding up at a point where it explodes is around these areas. Unsolved conversations, unresolved conversations, unresolved agreements, and unmet needs. And these things are all directly related to each other. If we can't have conversations resolve them, we can't come to agreements. If we can't have agreements, somebody's needs are not getting met in this relationship. And if there's no agreements, probably nobody's needs are getting met in this relationship. And that builds. But the problem is it builds quietly. Because like I said, in the moment, the pain of how I feel when I'm making this decision about, you know, we don't have an agreement around time, but my partner's going out today when we were supposed to be spending time together. And that makes me feel bad, but it doesn't make me feel as bad as actually getting through this conversation would. So I'm going to let it pass. But it builds and it builds and it builds quietly in the background. And the problem is when you have unmet needs, because really at the end of the day, that's what this comes down to when you get right to the root is unmet needs. When you can't have these conversations, you can't make agreements, needs don't get met. And people can only live that way. Relationships can only survive with unmet needs for so long before they can't anymore. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter if it's something where you're being quiet about it, right? It's not something where it matters if you're being loud about it. Uh, eventually, when we're not having our needs met, we get to a point where the next thing you know, you're not together anymore. And it looks something like this. You know, you, you were talking about somebody you were talking to. I'm going to talk about somebody I was talking to because 
as, as uh, was mentioned, a lot of this stuff comes from stuff that we see often. Um, I had a gentleman who I spoke to whose partner didn't make it to the call because they broke up before they got on the call. And why that happened was they had been in a situation where they had had these needs that haven't been spoken about. Things had not been coming up. And I'm going to kind of use the description of, of what he told me about his, what happened that day as, as kind of an idea of, of how this goes, which is for months, they had had conversations where they would skip around the important thing, which was for them actually talking about their agreements around intimacy. And they just skipped past them. They just skipped past them. And at one point, his partner said, I'm not happy. I'm leaving. And he said, you know, this was earlier in the day. And, and I, I asked her, like, how did this come up? And basically the answer was, this has been, you know, something I've been carrying and unhappy about for a very long time. Yeah, things aren't bad between us. We're not arguing. We're not fighting. But I'm not super happy. Was this the shoe throwing? Yes. <laughs> Threw his shoes at him and walked out the door. This was a while ago. Yeah. Here's the thing. We see this a lot. I want to take a second to point this out. We see this a lot with couples where they've been together a while and they decide to open up their relationships because they don't know how to go about having these conversations the conversations are painful to have. It's not something they're experienced in dealing with. So they let those conversations ride too late until eventually somebody's convinced themselves that I've grown in some way. I'm polyamorous now. I need other things and the relationship doesn't fit. So I want to point that out as a special caution for people. If you're in that situation where you have a long-term relationship that you're opening up, that is one place that we see this a lot. But we also see this everywhere. Yeah. The thing that gets me about your situation, and I didn't have this conversation, but I'm willing to bet, because this is what happens all the time, that the problem itself was solvable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it came down to uh, really just getting into those heart-hard conversations, the ones that are not easy to have about... STIs and scheduling of uh, intimacy so that things weren't overlapping, but they were very solvable and, and, and tangible things to have as goals to fix. I said earlier, this is stuff that makes us lose sleep at night. <laughs> Seriously. So just recap this. You have problems. And the insidious thing is they seem that there's little problems right up into the point where you know, somebody has thrown their shoes at somebody, somebody's walked out the door, somebody has decided they're moving out and taking the kids. You're worried about splitting your, your assets up and who's getting the car and who's getting the kids and who's, this is not necessary. So the myth is that if you have a relationship where things are quiet, that that means the relationship is good. That is a myth. The truth, as I hope you've gotten by now, is that the fact purely that you're not arguing does not mean that your relationships are stable. Sometimes it can, again, be more dangerous because it's not stable, but those warning signs that would clue you in that you need help, and if you don't get help, somebody's gonna leave, are gone. They're not there. 
the next logical question becomes, well, then if my relationship's quiet and it's not full of arguments, how do I know if my relationship is about to explode? How do I know if I need help? Because a relationship being quiet can be a good sign. So it becomes really, really important to know how to tell the difference between the two. When is your relationship quiet? Because it's good. And when is your relationship quiet because you can't discuss things? And this is a section that I'm really, really interested in getting your input on. I think you're going to have way more than me. So the first one, as I said, something to be aware of is that the people in these relationships are not under the impression that the relationships are hunky-dory. They know there's something wrong. They just don't know how bad it is. So that's the first thing that I think is a bit of a warning sign. You have this discomfort that even though things are quiet, things are not good. That's where I would start. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a a starting place. And if you're noticing that these are things that it's not that nobody wants these things resolved, right? So I want to add that in. It's not that no one thinks that it's not important. It's that they're not actually being handled. That's the important factor. Because sometimes we, we do get to points where we're like, oh, this is not something that needs to be handled. These are things that actually we know need to be handled and are not. We're postponing and postponing and postponing and we'll get to them someday. Maybe when things are a little better, people have calmed down from whatever happened back when we first brought this up someday. We'll talk about it. So that's the first thing. The second point is... When you cannot make agreements, this is a huge, huge warning sign. Doesn't matter how smoothly things seem to be going. If you're avoiding agreements, making agreements for really any reason, but especially the reason that we've tried to make an agreement around this and either A, it went bad, which happens a lot of times, or B, we've approached it a few times and we can't get anywhere. But this is clearly something that needs to be resolved. That is a sign. And I want to throw this out just because I've heard a lot of people say this. If you find yourself using this excuse or using this saying, which is, we were having circular arguments and now we're not just because we're just not talking about agreements, um, you want to evaluate that. Because what that really means is if you were having circular arguments about something and you never actually did get it resolved, you don't have agreements because you haven't been able to make them, which means... Obviously, those needs, as we talked about before, are not getting met. Yeah. So, or you have no agreements. This is something that I've run into a few times recently, actually, with some of the examples that we're using on this this training, where I asked them, do you have agreements? And we're talking about agreements. And the answer is, well, we don't really have any agreements. And whatever the reason is for that, that is always a warning sign. You want Um, anything else on that? No, I think that's really cut and dry. If you're in a place where you have no agreements, most of the time that is not because of anybody's choice. That's because we have basically thrown in the towel and said, we can't agree on anything. We can't agree on this stuff. And if you're stuck in that place where you don't have agreements and you're unhappy, you really want to evaluate that. So when you have unmet needs that you can't talk about, 
really when you have unmet needs, period. But if you have unmet needs and you are talking about them and they're continuing to be unmet, that's probably getting to be one of those noisy situations and you know you need help. But if you have unmet needs and you find that you can't talk about them, you can't make agreements around them, well then that is a sign. Because as I said before, really when we're talking about we can't have conversations, we can't have agreements, we at the end of the day are talking about needs not being met. And this needs to be handled. Relationships can only survive with unmet needs for so long. And I think this is particularly true when you're talking about needs around time, needs around really, I don't even want to, I don't even want to narrow it down because really at the end of the day, if you feel that you have an unmet need, that is important for you. And that is potentially a deal breaker for you. And if you are not talking about that and moving that in some kind of a positive direction, even if that positive direction is, hey, we've had a conversation about this and agreed that that particular need, I'm going to get met somewhere else or in some other way, you're in bad shape. And when we don't get our needs met, which is a point that you had, but I think is is a, is one of the biggest points I have, is we start to get resentful. And this is a big sign that something is not going right. There's, I think it's John Gottman calls resentment one of the four horses of the apocalypse in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. If you're recognizing and you're asking yourself, well, how do I know? If you're recognizing that you're walking away from your relationship, and I'm not saying like physically or emotionally, but like you're you're going to work and you're feeling resentful towards your partner because of the missing needs and wants. If you're sitting there and your time looks like I am resenting you for how this is being spent and what we're doing, and I'm not able to not be around you without resenting you, that's a big thing. And it doesn't have to be where it's any moment I'm resentful. But if you're noticing that you're resentful a lot, if you're feeling that way towards your partner, that's a big sign. Even if you're not screaming, hollering, arguing over things, but if you are feeling that resentment, that emotion towards your partner, that is a a big red flag that you might not even be able to judge whether or not you're at a point where you're just going to be done. That's one of those things where when we have resentment and it builds and builds, at one point, we're just like, I'm done. You I'm can done. be surprised yourself, by the way, <laughs> at the point at which you're done. Thank you. That was the words that I was trying to get to. Yeah. This is like this, this, sometimes we, we talk to folks who are like, I didn't even realize how far gone I was with this. And again, that's almost always around unmet needs. Yeah. And the big thing that you didn't hit on that I wanted to hit on is this. Please, Sensei. <laughs> Thanks. Um... One of the the big things that I see with this and that really when I'm talking to people on the phone, that's like, a oh my goodness, you really do not know how far you've gotten, is if you recognize that you have been daydreaming, and I'm saying it could be a positive daydream, it's a beautiful daydream, it's a wonderful, wonderful picture in your brain, and what that picture is, is you and your partner not together, that is a sign When you start in visualizing and start kind of drifting off into seeing what the future might be like as far as not being together. That's bad. It's bad. That's a really bad place to be. And the reason why this is bad is because basically what we're doing is we're separating ourselves from our partner. We are already living because let's face it, guys, when when we're in our heads, right, 
and we are in visualizing things. And visualizing is powerful. It's powerful stuff. We talk about our program, making sure that you envisualize things, that the things you want and things you need. The problem is, is that when we start envisualizing things like not being together, like what would that be like to go travel the world and not be stuck with this guy? Or what would it be like to not deal with her anymore and just be dating all the time? And when we start doing this, we start disconnecting so quickly that we don't even know how far we already are, right? We get to a point where we're already living it in our brains. So when it comes that moment of, hmm, maybe I should leave, it's like, yeah, I'm already gone. And so if you recognize that you're starting to do this, that you're starting to picture what it might be like, you're already going through, well, how would I deal with those finances if we broke up? And, uh, you know, having the kids on the weekend wouldn't be so bad. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's he can have the car. If, if you're doing that, um, that is one of those silent things. We don't do that out loud. We do that in our, in our heads. And I encourage you, if you have that out of all of these things, reach out. That is the, my number one thing. So when you said that, that's why you got that look for me for a second, <laughs> but I wanted you to finish because that's so, so important. Is it also a warning sign in relationships in general if you're, you do daydream about your partner, but all of your daydreams look nothing like your life and involve like massive changes that absolutely are not in any way being planned or worked on. Only if you're fantasizing about really cool kinky sex stuff. <laughs> then that's okay. <laughs> then that's fine. Okay. For fantasy purposes. We all have our, our fantasies. So mermaids. For, yeah. Like you having sex with mermaids is fine. I can fantasize about that. But in seriousness, I'm, I'm going to bring it back. It, yes, it can be a warning sign if what you're looking at is the only thing I can envision is you being somebody who you're not mm, at all. That's the best way to put um, it. Not, oh, we're having better conversations in my in, in, and that's a change. Or we have more money. Or we have more money or we have more time or we're going on more vacations. That's not changing you. But if it's like, you are just the body of you and I put you as a different person so that way you can fulfill that dream, that's a big sign. That's a big sign that you're getting to a spot of, this is really not the person I want to be with. And that kind of goes back to when you're doing that, you're building up another reality. And it's really easy to replace the person who doesn't fit with someone who might. I was going to say, the next step is it's just not that body anymore. Wow, that's yep. really... Heavy, actually. <laughs> so if you see those signs, you need help. And here is the benefit to this. We went into this talking about how there's this, this myth, this thought, this thing that's brought by the median, by our various worlds and communities that bad relationships look a certain way. Bad relationships look noisy. They look messy. And what we've stepped through here is that is not true. And... Quiet relationships can be just as dangerous. They can be more dangerous. And here's how you recognize it. And that can seem a little depressing. It can seem a little depressing to look at your, or really depressing, to look at your relationship and go, damn, I thought we were doing good. Now I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm recognizing myself in those things you just listed as warning signs. 
Now my relationship doesn't look good. Thanks for ruining my day. <laughs> that but was not our point. There is a good side to this, which is this. When you can see past the myth that a quiet relationship is a good relationship, and when you know the warning signs to look for, that gives you a superpower. It gives you the power to take action and make changes before it's too late because you can't see it coming. And what brought this home for me and this is what played into, as I said earlier, our topics usually come from things that happen in our week. This was a topic that came up for me a couple weeks ago. This is the first time we've had the opportunity to record because we were on vacation and stuff and things. But I had one week where I had the gentleman that I talked to before, talked about before, but his partner called him from her other partner's house after they'd been together five years and said, yeah, we're done. I'm not doing this. But I had someone else that same week with a two-day difference in talking to who was in a very similar situation but had a very different outcome because of one critical reason. So I talked to somebody else, as I said, just a couple of days apart, and her situation was very similar to the gentleman that I talked about earlier. Her and her partner had been in a relationship for years before opening things up. The opening up conversation hadn't been awful, but they had never really resolved anything. They didn't have hardly any agreements worked out. And because they didn't have any agreements worked out and because she was wanting to make sure that she wasn't hurting her partner, but she also didn't have any agreements in place, so there was nothing she could really do without hurting him. So because of that, she just wasn't doing anything, really. She had some partners that she was trying to explore with, but she wasn't able to do a lot of the things that she was looking to do. Because of that, things were getting to a point where she needed to figure out what she was doing. Very similar situations, you know, long-term relationships, agreements not in place, unmet needs, have to figure out something to do about them. But the difference was with her is she recognized in herself before she got to that point that even though things are quiet, these unmet needs are becoming a problem. And she was able to reach out and get help before things exploded. And now she's working with us and she's working with her partner to get those things in place and improve her relationships. And I'll actually chime in and say this. So when we work with our clients, we have a group call once a week. And she actually just, literally just, celebrated the fact that her and her partner, and you didn't even get to hear this, no. um, that they were able to talk and negotiate a schedule. And she was able to go out with her partners and that it went really, really mm -hmm. well. And they were able to actually get through this conversation, which had been one of these things, right? One of these things that like had been huh? nine or 10 months, I yeah. think that had been an open thing. Yeah. Ah. So this is the first time I'm, I'm getting, getting off this one. call happy. <laughs> first time, because it literally happened before we got on here that she got to celebrate that. And that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing step to be able to go from these things are happening. We know there's stuff that's not good. 
feeling crappy about our relationship, not feeling like we're getting anywhere, possibly running towards that that breakup, right? Recognizing that and taking the opportunity to turn that around. And that really is the, I want to say only difference, and I feel like I'm not going to do justice to the fact that they're two very different people in very different relationships, but really- The main difference. Huh? The main difference. The main difference, the main thing, the main thing that resulted in her story ending in a very different way than the gentleman's story who I talked about earlier, even though they were in similar situations, it's just one thing. It's that she recognized that she needed help in time and she actually took action and reached out and got that help. I guess you could argue that's two things, but regardless, whether it's one thing or two things, two closely related things, those were the difference. And that really kind of brings us to what do you do about it? When you recognize that these problems are occurring, that you have these warning signs in your relationship that there are these unresolved issues and the unmet needs. What do you do about it? And the answer isn't have the conversations and sort it out because if you're in this place, you've tried to before and it has not worked. And for whatever reason, and there can be a million reasons, you aren't able to sort that out with the tools that you have, with the support that you have, and you need to do something different. So, If you recognize that you have these warning signs in your relationship, then what you need to do is you need to reach out and you need to get help from somebody who can help you sort through those conversations, come up with workable agreements so that people can start getting their needs met in this relationship. So we busted a huge myth for you today. This myth that if relationships aren't noisy, they're fine. It's bullshit. It's not true. It's a myth. All the time, all the time, honestly, I mean it when I say this, all the time, we see people who are not screaming at each other, who know something's a little wrong in their relationship, but don't think that they have a huge problem. Poof gone. Poof gone. But who meet one of these criteria, we talk to people like this every single week. So what I want you to do, I want you to A, realize as I said that it is a myth. Simply having silence or quiet in a relationship does not mean that that relationship is happy, does not mean that relationship is healthy. Two, in the future, I want you to make sure that you are applying the test that we talked about to your relationship. So, are we able to have conversations that get resolved? Are we able to make agreements? Do we have unmet needs in this relationship? Either myself or my partner. Maybe ask them if you're not sure. And then if you recognize that you are in that situation, you recognize that your relationship meets one of those tests, you have one of those problems, you recognize one of those points in your relationship, then what I want you to do is I want you to do what the last person we talked about did as opposed to the first person. 
and I want you to reach out for help before it is too late. So if you want to do that, if that's something that you realize that you need some help with, set up a free call with us. We do offer a free breakthrough call to talk through what's going on in your relationships. And on that call, we'll talk about the challenges that you're facing and we'll figure out what it is that you need to do, a plan to move forward, to start having those conversations, to start making those agreements, to get those needs met and to fix those problems. So if you want to do that, or by the way, if you recognize that you're one of those people from earlier who's in the loud, noisy, messy, screaming, fighting, crying situations all the time, either way, what I want you to do is I want you to set up that free call with us. Go to atouchofflavor.com forward slash call, atouchofflavor.com forward slash call. You'll go to our calendar. You can book that call with us, fill a little application, and whenever you picked, we'll get on with you. We'll talk about what's going on. We will come up with a plan. I think we'll- I was, I was on a little bit of a roll there and I'm like yeah. coming off it and that's, I'm kind of like, whoa, wait, what, what am I doing next? So we're going to answer any questions that we have. That's yeah, what we're doing we're gonna next. we're going to answer any questions. <laughs> so, well, we're awesome. Thank you. That's not a question, but I do appreciate <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Compromise is possible, but is living half a life healthy for a new relationship? What a fantastic question. Yeah. Great question. So I think that this comes from a myth that I like to bust a lot, which is Folks seem to believe, and it's because it's a common phrase, that when we compromise, nobody wins. Um, and this is really where this comes from. Go ahead. Have a close acquaintance of mine who one of his favorite sayings is, there is no such thing as a compromise. There's only a better deal. Yes. So with that in mind, a compromise is not meant to be, I am losing and you are losing. The idea of a compromise is, how can we both win? How can we win and serve each other and ourselves in our relationship? And so should you be living half of what you need or half of what you want in a relationship? No. The answer is, is, is a very simple no. You should not be in a relationship where you are half depleted, right? But that's not really usually the question. <laughs> the question is normally... Is it okay to have areas where you're not 100% satisfied or met in that relationship? And there's a few things here. When we're talking about open relationships, one of the great things about them is being able to meet needs in other areas of our lives. That is a factor, right? I, I may not need everything here. The other thing to keep in mind is that there are things that I need in my relationship with you, right? That there's a difference there. There's a need... I have a need out there somewhere versus I have a need here. And when we're talking about quote unquote compromise, which really should be uh, how can we both win, should really be what it is, we're, we, we need to look at is there a compatibility there? And sometimes maybe I don't get as much and maybe sometimes you don't get as much. And maybe sometimes it's a, a little bit more in your direction or a little bit more in mine. That's okay. We can have that where things are not always 100% me and 100% you, right? That's 200% and that's hard to get. But the idea is for most of the time, most of the time, for both of us to be getting enough that we're not feeling depleted and in your terms, 
living a half life? I like to start when I get this kind of question by giving a categorical no <laughs> to the part of it. It is not healthy to live a half life. It's not. That That is just true. But this is where this gets to be an interesting thing. And that falls into the fact that most of the time when I'm in a situation, I'm with a partner, and there's something that we don't agree on. There's something in some way that we're different, in some way that we're quote unquote incompatible. Usually it isn't a situation where the only way for this relationship to work is for me to live a half life. Is that true occasionally? Of course it is. But most of the time when we find ourselves in that kind of situation where it seems like the only way forward is for me to give up a part of myself, that is in some ways a failure of imagination. It is not being able to come up with a solution creative enough uh, to solve that problem in a way where I'm not giving up a part of myself. And the vast majority of the time, there is a way to do that. There's an example I like to give for this, but what I'm actually going to do is recommend we have a live that is also a podcast episode that we did not too long ago that is called, I think it's Are We Incompatible is the name of it. And I would really, really recommend that you watch slash listen to that because we actually, the entire lesson, the entire episode is about this exact topic. And it's called, it's called, are we incompatible? I think on Facebook, it might be, we love each other, but are we incompatible? And if you're on Facebook, go to our lives. It's in there. If you are more of a podcast kind of person, it's episode 82. So you can go to a touch of flavor.com forward slash zero eight two. And I really recommend that you listen to that because we talk for about an hour on exactly the question that you're asking and that answer that we gave is a big part of the answer, but we go into far, far, far more detail about how to tell when you're actually compatible, how to know when it's a resolvable problem, what steps you can take to try and figure that out, what to do when that fails. So I really recommend if you're in a situation where you feel like the only solution to your problem is going to result in you having to give up a part of yourself, I really recommend that you go right now and listen to that. It is going to be incredibly helpful for you. I think that is it on the questions. So with that, thank you everybody who tuned in and we'll talk with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.